They just came on now. Let's try to get closer to the stage. Sorry. Excuse me. Do you want to go on my shoulders? Yeah, that'd be unreal. Thanks. Wow. Three celebrates connections made by music this summer. Find out more at 3.ie forward slash music. I'm not the house of cards that falls down easily. I'm strong enough to handle what you throw at me. Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? the intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show After several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me. And now with our network of podcasters, just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second. Hey everyone, Kristen Walker here. We're here for another roundtable discussion with Dr. Paul Meyer. Paul, thanks so much for coming on the show. How are you doing? <laughs> Good. And we have Melanie Van here also. Hey, Melanie. Hey, guys. So tonight, of course, at the last minute, we come up with these topics. But, Paul, you were thinking about this one on your drive home, and I know you love this one. Um, And also in honor of our launch into the um, smart TV land with Mental Health News Radio, we're going to talk about dream interpretation. Now, we've talked about this before, but we're going to do this show like how our dreams can be, very loose. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we don't have an outline or anything. In fact, I was just driving home from work about 15, 20 minutes ago, and I thought, boy, you know, that would be something. If there's a list of topics that people can look at, uh, dream interpretation would be one I'd want to look at. Yeah. And I've always loved dreams, and, and I and I did write a book on it called Windows of the Soul. Yep. Windows of the Soul. And the oh. guy I wrote it with is uh, Dr. Robert Wise. And Dr. Robert Wise is a he's he's the Jewish Episcopalian priest <laughs> with a P with a PhD in Jungian psychology that he got in Switzerland. He's just oh he's a, just a brilliant brilliant and wonderful person. And he helped me uh, with several we wrote several books together. But the one on dreams uh, I've studied him all my life, and, and that and he has too. And he's got a lot of the Jungian uh, type stuff that has to do with uh, dreams and things. But 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 we wrote a book together called Windows of the Soul that goes into a great detail. And you can even look up various symbols in the back of it, and it'll tell what they commonly mean. Although it, there's any any dream book that you would read that says, uh, you know, a coins always mean this, and this always means that, and that always means that, they're just you know, baloney. You know, because uh, yeah, because uh, yeah, we don't need, we don't know. Uh, but it, like, if you dream about a certain thing, it, it may real commonly be a certain item, but then sometimes it, it'll be the opposite or it'll be different. So, so anyway, th- that book would be helpful um, if people want to go to Amazon.com or um, BarnesandNoble.com. I'm not sure if the book is still in print, but if it's not, people that have read it always have copies up there. In fact, they're usually cheaper. Yeah. yeah. Well, I know that, you know, a show is popular when our editor, um, Joe, says to me, oh, good. I was literally talking to him three minutes before I got on to record this show. And I said, oh, what time is it? I got to go. And he goes, oh, you're doing a Paul Meyer show. And I <laughs> said, yeah. And he goes, oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> I said, 
said, oh, you like his shows, huh? He goes, yeah, I love those shows. I think our daydreams are, are, I think our daydreams are helpful too. What do you daydream about? You know, Mm -hmm. when you're just real passive and you're not trying to, you're not trying to dream about daydreaming about something, but you just sit down, you know, you go out on your porch and you're done, you're, you had a hard day at work and you just sit down and try not to think about anything. And then you start daydreaming, you know, what you daydream about is, is uh, valuable too. Yeah. I think it, it tells you kind of where you're at also, you know, with your, how you feel about yourself. Yeah. You know, when you make movies out of your anxiety and, you know, catastrophize. Did we ever say hi to, did we ever say hi to Melanie or did we just exclude her? We did. No, we didn't hi to Melanie. Hi, Melanie. Are you there? I dreamt you were here with us. <laughs> what do you think about dreams, Melanie? I don't think you were on our last one we did about this. I don't think I was either, but I can tell you that personally, I have had, I have had a recur, I've had recurring dreams, and I've had, I feel like. Every kind of quintessential dream, like when you dream about water, you're usually overwhelmed with emotions type thing. I mean, I've had every one of those types of of dreams. And and I've also had and I think maybe I was on a show or it came up some other way because I I've had like visit dreams from from God, from past loved ones that feel very different than just a regular dream. They, yeah. they feel different. They just feel really different. I guess kind of like prophetic type dreams. So yeah, me too. Okay, I, don't, I don't dream very often. I, I just I've rarely yes, you do. Yeah, you do. You I, just don't remember. Yes, you do. I'll get in an argument with you right now. <laughs> hey, hey Melanie, let me butt in. Let me butt in just long enough for you, yes. and then you, don't forget your topic is and come back to it. But you actually, you know, being a being an MD it, who uh, studies dreams. Uh, with EEGs and things like that too, you know, we, uh, we dream about five times a night mm-hmm. and we dream about 20 minutes out of every 90 that we're asleep, but you don't ever remember a dream unless you wake up during the dream. You don't uh, remember it after, after, if you've just finished a dream and you wake up two minutes later, you don't remember having a dream. So the fact that you don't have, you, you say you don't have very many dreams, that just means you're a pretty sound sleeper uh, most of the time and, and and you sleep through them. But uh, if when we uh, hook up an EEG to our brains and then and then monitor and, and let people uh, dream, I mean, just to have a normal sleep, then you have rapid eye movement, they call it. So when you're dreaming, you're you're watching, you know, the, the wolves cross your path and whatever else is happening. And so your eyes keep wiggling and looking back and forth at the things that are in the movie that you're writing. And so you have rapid eye movement sleep. That's 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 dream. And uh so you do dream uh, four or five times every night, but you don't remember them unless you wake up during them. So there, I'm done arguing with you. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, know, I know you dream. I know you dream every night. I want to ask Paul about this, Kristen, before I forget about it. Go ahead. And then go ahead. On. But re- remember we interviewed the young professor from overseas yes. and you interviewed him about sleep paralysis. Paul, yes. do you have you heard that term? Do you know what that is? Uh, Yeah. I think so. Is that is uh? I mean, I've heard of it. I just um, tell me if I'm right about it. So, I think yeah. sleep paralysis. Yeah, yeah. Sleep paralysis is where you're uh, you feel like you're awake, but you can't move. But you yes. can't move. Right? Yes. And, and, yes. and it's scary, you know. Because yes. what if something bad happened, or somebody bad came in the room, or something, and you just lay there and watched it happening, and you and you couldn't move. Yeah. You know, yeah. Sleep paralysis. It's scary. And, and and they're they're pretty common. Uh, it, it's usually a sign of of anxiety. Yeah. And I don't think you I don't think you really are awake and can't move. I think you might be half awake or part awake. But I think it's a, I think that's a dream in itself. And I think it comes at times when you might feel like you're paralyzed and you're in a situation that you don't know what to do about. But it, you know it could mean a lot of different things. So what were you going to ask, Mel? Just if Paul knew about it. Yeah, just if you knew about it. Yeah, I was just ah. curious and wondered if people that have it have sleep disorders and how sleep oh, disorders. That's what this, this oh, I don't think so. I don't no? think it's sleep disorders. I think it's just mm-hmm. normal. 
Uh, I mean, I've had them. I've had them, you know, maybe ten or twelve times in my life. Mm. But um, I think usually at times when I felt stuck about something, um, I actually had it happen one time. I I had a uh, um, a surgical procedure, and I won't, mm. I, I, won't, I won't mention what it was because it was a colonoscopy. <laughs> 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 just a routine one, you know, but, but, uh, the, the anesthesiologist, you know, that they, they inject you and you, and you go right to sleep like five seconds later and, and then you wake up and it's all over. You don't even remember that it happened. You know, you wake up and you say, what, what, what happened? How come I'm awake so, so quick and you say, well, you've been out for a couple hours and we already did it all, but somehow it was, I don't know if it was my body's reaction or what, but she, uh, she injected me with something where I was paralyzed, but I was totally conscious, but I couldn't, I really couldn't move. Ugh. And so I could feel everything they did. Ugh. I could feel them when they moved the scope around. I could see that the doctor and the, and the female nurse anesthetist, uh, and there were a couple other nurses nearby too, but I could see that they were joking around about something, you know, and I was just sort of an object that was there that they were working on. But being, being a doctor, I've seen that many times before. If you ever watch orthopedic surgery, you know, they're using a hammer and nail and chisels and you know, screwdrivers oh, yeah. and stuff. And, and they're saying, well, what did you get on the fifth hole when you played golf yesterday? You know, while, right, while, they're, re while they're replacing your hip. Sandwich. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Something you don't want to do, just to note to any future podcasters, never record a podcast right after a colonoscopy because there will be a noise issue that you can't control. <laughs> I, I don't understand. <laughs> so, anyway, back to dream interpretation. <laughs> so I, the other night, now mind you, I was watching a show, some like scary stuff you with you and your wife would like, Paul, like on yeah, we like scary, scary stuff, right? So there was something about a serial killer and stuff. So I ended up I sent this email to Joe and to Melanie in the middle of the night saying, I just had a dream that the most friendly British TV actor out there, Martin Clune, was a serial killer in my dream. And I was having to pretend that I was wildly attracted to him in order for him to not kill me. And I was searching for all available exits. You know, we were out in public and I was searching for who might be able to help me while also not trying to tip him off that I was trying to escape. And then he started doing stuff, nothing, you know, inappropriate. Well, he was trying to kill me, so it wasn't appropriate, but it wasn't. Other than that. <laughs> Other than that. Yeah. But the stuff that he was doing, like, like, let's say he chopped off my hand and then he was using my own hand to hit me that was still attached to my arm while he was holding my hand that he chopped off just stuff that didn't make any sense that even in my dream, the funny thing about it was this, even in my dream, I was going, wait a minute, that's not physically possible. <laughs> so, I woke up and I went, Whoa, is this the Vivance? I don't, I don't know what this is. And I, and I emailed Melanie and Joe, and they were like, maybe you need to take your dosage down a little bit. Okay, let's let's analyze that for a minute, and, that, and that'll be a good lesson for all of our listening family. In, in any dreams, in fact, we, that's one thing we could do on this program is share some of our dreams, and, and, and we can analyze yeah. each other and stuff. But, but um, I believe that uh, whatever dream you have, your unconscious is, is, is the writer, the director, the the musician in the background playing the, the background music the uh, the actor or actress in the dream and and often you play multiple roles in the dream and uh, if you dream with, about animals often you're one of those animals and mm -hmm. if you're carrying a little baby in that dream often that represents you taking care of the part of you that was wounded as a child and things like that so having said that if if uh if you wrote a dream that night and, and, and it's not just because you saw it on TV, but things that we watch on TV or hear or happen the day before, I mean, the, you know, the hours before we go to sleep, they remind us of things in our unconscious. And then our unconscious says, oh, yeah, I remember that. And so uh, if your unconscious, Kristen, um, wrote a dream that night, this is what it would be. It would be, it would be somebody that you really like and trust. 
betraying you and being wanting to uh, hurt you and kill you and and uh, and wanting to get you to hurt yourself. He, instead of hitting you himself, he cut off your arm and hit you with your own arm. Yeah. And uh, so I can totally see that. Welcome to being raised by narcissists. <laughs> <laughs> so who did you totally trust? To be really funny and fun and good and all that 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 ended up hurting you instead and just surprising you by how could this wonderful person be this horrible? Well, that's happened and, quite you know, a few times. Yeah, quite a few times. Sadly, yeah. I mean, yeah, Melanie and I have talked about that a lot lately. That uh, and this is another show we'll do not tonight, obviously, but about how resilient you can become even if you've had a lot of trauma yeah. um, because you, and, boy, do you know how to handle life? Yeah. And, and I, I encourage everybody listening to us tonight to, to journal your dreams, you know, yeah. put a little notebook by your bed. You can get the, you can get an ink pen. Uh, uh, my nurse gave me one as a present one time, an ink pen that has a little flashlight on the end of it. So you don't wake up your wife, you know, when you jot down the dream, <laughs> but, but keep track of your dreams. And if you have recurrent dreams, one thing, uh, if it's a negative recurrent dream that you have over and over, recurrent dreams are real significant. But if you have a recurrent dream that's negative, I've, I've done this many, many times with my clients, and it works about half the time, where uh, I'll tell them, okay, because they're afraid they're going to have the dream. I said, well, tonight, make up your mind you're going to have the dream. Try to have it on purpose. But this time, uh, during the dream, do something constructive to protect yourself. You know, and pray, pray that God will help you, and uh, and think of something that you can do that would protect yourself in the dream. And mm -hmm. they will have that recurrent dream, but this time they actually are doing something that that when they wake up they have more confidence uh, in their ability to handle that. And and also, Melanie, you being a therapist, I'm sure you've had people that have recurrent. You know, anyone with post-traumatic stress disorder will keep on having if if somebody if a woman gets raped. She'll have recurring dreams about about the rape, and over and over again, and that's part of post-traumatic stress disorder. But as she uh, has therapy, and you dig and probe and get her to talk about the things and resolve it, and and forgive, not for the sake of the person that did it, but for the sake of you know you don't want to be. It's not worth you being depressed the rest of your life because of one sociopath in the world out of eight billion people. And but as as the person gets therapy, the dreams will get less and less intense and and uh and more self-protective and and the dreams will end up either going away or being you know something where she's uh he or she is doing something positive interesting yeah yeah i've had several clients have uh, recurring dreams and then some clients that just seem to have nightmares all the time i can probably count on one hand how many dreams that i actually considered a nightmare that I've had in my life. Um, but, you know, I've, I've had clients that just had nightmares, you know, every single night. Um, and those can be really uh, scary and then can make you afraid to go to sleep. And then that messes up your sleep cycle even more. So, um, but dreaming is extremely important. Um, I think it actually helps us work things out that, and or maybe gives us insight to things. I mean, Paul, you've said it yourself. How much of our lives are subconscious behavior? So yeah, yeah. They they yeah. say you know they say about eighty percent of our thoughts, feelings, and motives are out of our awareness, and uh, yeah. and twenty percent are conscious. So if you decide to wear a a, a yellow blouse tomorrow, uh, the reason for picking out that yellow blouse will be twenty percent uh, conscious choice. I, I just feel like wearing yellow today, or I'd like that, or it'll match this. And 80% of the reason you pick yellow that day will be things that you're not even aware of. When you, It's really scary when you think when you pick a mate, 20% of the reasons why you picked that mate you were aware of, and 80% of the reasons were because of the way you were brought up in the first six mm. years of your life and other unconscious That's reasons. That's frightening. And a whole other yeah. show. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. You know, I have a really interesting dream sequence and I, I told you about one recently, Kristen, and it was really empowering, actually. But, Paul, I want you to psychoanalyze this. OK, so for the past, and this is pretty short for the past 20 years, literally, I remember I started having the dreams in 1998 because I was in school at Regent in graduate school. 
And the first dream I ever, the dreams are about snakes. And the first dream that I ever had about it, there were tons of snakes in a bag in like a pillowcase. And there were a bunch of little mice in there that I knew were going to get eaten by the snakes. So, but I was so worried about the mice that I decided I was going to stick my hand in and save the mice. And I did, and I didn't get bitten. And literally over the past 20 years, I have had dreams, sometimes, you know, three or four in a six month period. And sometimes a whole year would go by and I might would not have one, but then I would have another one in various situations where I would be around a snake and each dream I had progressively, it got closer and closer to me actually getting bit to where the, the one before the last one I had, the snake actually bit me in the foot, but it went all the way through my foot. And so the poison that was coming out of his fangs squirted out the bottom of my foot. So it actually bit me, but I was still okay. So I have like basically these snake slaying dreams. Okay. The last yeah. one I had was <laughs> just, just a little bit ago, this snake was going to bite one of my kids and I picked the snake up and I didn't know what else I was going to do or how I was going to kill it. There was no way I could. And so I literally decided to put, to bite the snake's head off. I put the whole head of the snake in my mouth and bit the snake's head off and just like spit it out. And that was kind of the dream. I just woke up after that and, and I was like, wow, man, I've gotten so good at, you know, fighting evil that now I'm just biting the snake's head off and moving on. You know? It was it actually really empowering, even though it sounds horrible. It was a really empowering dream. So it was just it means you're, it means you're a, a hopeless paranoid schizophrenic and there's no hope. No, no. Crazy. M dream. Melanie, that that dream doesn't surprise me at all. Knowing you, because yeah. uh, uh, <laughs> you know the people that know you best love you the most, and 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 right. you love to help people. I and, do. Uh, <laughs> and uh, in the dream, you're you're uh, and and mice are not something that you think of wanting to to help. You know. Right. I know. But, but but we hear we hear clients' stories and and we and, they, and and some of them have had a lot of failures in their lives or alcoholics or things like that and that that doesn't mean they're mice you know because everybody's important equally important in yeah. God's eyes yeah. but but uh, you uh, have d devoted your life to helping save mice by getting bit by snakes and and snakes can mean a lot of different things you know to different people yeah. but. But, uh, you know, in the Bible, uh, um, Satan uh, got in the form of a snake to tempt Eve. And so, you know, we've all heard that story. So that might be one reason why we think of evil. When we think of snakes, we think of evil. Yeah. And they do slither around and, and slide and they're hard to find and they're dangerous and hiding in corners and stuff. But but uh, in the dream, you're you're uh, putting you're taking you're risking your soul and your foot, your, your uh, hand and the rest of you to help save mice from snakes. And, and, <laughs> and you're helping protect people from the sociopaths in their lives and the narcissists in their lives uh, when you do that. And, and yet uh, the further along in your career, you realized, you know, if I keep doing that, sometimes I'm going to get bit back. There's going to be people that are going to hate me and, and uh, say bad things about me and, and stuff like that. And, but at the same time, you felt like even when you got uh, you, you feel like you're protected, uh, you know, by God or by your own um, things that you do to protect yourself and stuff. So even when a snake did bite you in the foot, he bit it all the way through and it didn't poison you. Yeah. And, and, and in the end, you were so brave uh, <laughs> at snake fighting that you bit its head off. <laughs> no, that's power. I mean, you're a powerful woman. You're a powerful woman. Yeah, it was just well, I thought about it and I was like, you know, your mouth is such a vulnerable place. I think that's what struck me that 
you know, like putting literally the head, I could, I saw it just go right in my mouth and I just bit. And I was actually surprised at how easy it was because I don't know, I grew up on a farm. Okay. For those of you that have never handled a snake, my brother and I killed snakes all the time on a farm. So when, and we actually, you know, you chop this, we chopped the snake's head off and it was a, it was a poisonous snake. And my brother wanted the skin. He wanted to put it on a plaque of wood. And so we were trying to hammer through the snake, you know, with a nail and his yeah. flesh was so strong that we couldn't even get the nail to go through it. And so I was like surprised in the dream that it was so easy for me to, to bite the head off. But I'm kind of hoping it's the last snake dream I have, because, I mean, what else could there be after this? You know, and, I mean, and, and, <laughs> and let me ask you, let me ask you, Melanie, when yeah. when 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 you meet a, a new client that's got a lot of problems and, and you and your goal is to love that client and help them overcome their pain. I mean, uh, how, uh, what, what do you use? Uh, I mean, what how do you do it? How do I do it? Yeah, yeah. What 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 does therapy mean? What do you do with in therapy? What do you do I mean, with the patient? How do you spend the hour? It's well, a lot of it is is psychoanalytics, but most of it is just that unconditional positive regard. It's just it's love, it's acceptance, yeah. it's creating a share, environment. You know, and you and you and you share things. Yeah, you're teaching them things, yes. and yes. and you share things, and you're using your mouth. Yes, true. You know, a lot of what you do is with your mouth. And so with your mouth, you're biting off the the heads of snakes, you know? Yeah, kind of crazy. You're using your mouth to heal people. I will say this right now. That is what she does for me in my life. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, no joke. And, I'm, and I don't, like, feel this great need to cry like I did last time I said something nice about Melanie. She really <laughs> does that for me in my life, like, all, all the time. She's... I mean, I, yeah. I I had someone say to me the other day, boy, Melanie really has your back. And I and it was, you know how nice it is when you get, this is why we love therapy, because your therapist says, you know, like I'm going to think all week about what you said to me about my dream, Paul, and be like, hmm. <laughs> but, you know, when someone parrots back something, they notice, even though you may notice it, it sort of adds validation to it. So um, someone said that to me, and I thought, yeah. She really does has my back totally like, and that is such, you can get through, you can get through anything. If you have people that really have your back, you're like one person, just one person. Sometimes that is your therapist. So you realize that lately because you have a really great therapist right now. Oh, I have such a great therapist. She reminds me of you, Paul. And uh, she also, does this, she's I'll tell her old, something. Old, old and fat. She's old and fat. <laughs> no, and you're not either. Lovely, wonderful. Our human skin does not determine how wonderful we are. Exactly. Exactly. Yes, there you go. No, yeah, she, I made up my mind on that a long time ago. <laughs> me too. <laughs> I'm right there with you. <laughs> she purses her lips in my direction, not at me. But when yeah. I say something that's happened that is was abusive from somebody, you know, and she'll, she'll look at me and purse her lips. And I'm like, Oh, she just picked up something. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah. So yeah, I can see Melanie having that, those dreams because yeah. that's what she does for so many people, including me. Lucky yeah. me. Hey, let, something else that just came to my mind. Hmm. Uh, I, people that have listened to us a lot, I don't want to bore them. Uh, but we, uh, I mention often that, uh, I mean, one of the main things I do is that we have a day program where people that are going through a lot of trauma, enough trauma, and they're nice, normal, everyday people. I mean, they're uh, doctors and pastors and lawyers and, and whatever else, you know, and, and, uh, but they're really neat people, but they're going through either a huge loss or not going through a divorce or different things, but, but they're so, de- they're depressed to the point where they, they can't go to work, you know, and they, and they, uh, or are, feeling suicidal and different things like that. And it's real fun to watch that they come, they're in therapy seven hours a day where we dig and probe. We try to get them to cry. We, if, if they have repressed anger, we have a punching bag they can punch and they'll, they'll tap on it at first and have bloody knuckles an hour later, you know, and, oh, and they get in touch with their that. feelings. But uh, one thing we do is we ask them their dreams often. And, uh, and lots of times the therapist uh, will text me and say, okay, 
Myra, what does this dream mean? And as soon as I can get back to them, I, I text them back, you know, but uh, their dreams change while they're there because in three weeks they get well because uh, we dig up enough truth. There's always more to dig up, but we dig up enough truth and get them to forgive and work through it and protect themselves and learn boundaries and all that stuff. We do, we, we get through enough of it for them to get over their panic attacks and their suicidality and they feel they feel pretty happy by the time they leave, but their dreams change too. I know, I know, no one likes commercials, but seriously, folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous, and they're just good people. And also MyGenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. And lastly, CopeNotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. When they when they come in, they have horrible dreams, just horrible dreams, you know, and, and sometimes recurrent dreams. And uh, uh, water can mean different things to different people. I, uh, Melanie, I think you mentioned or Kristen did one thing. Yeah. Uh, but but uh, to me, uh, water usually uh, represents our unconscious. And I don't know if I'm right, you know, but... It seems to represent our unconscious, what we don't see. And uh, a lot of times, my my clients, when they first come in, they'll uh, they're afraid to get in touch with feelings. They're they're afraid to look at the truth inside themselves, and they're sure afraid to share it with other people. And they'll have dreams where they're at a pool with the other group members, and they just are sitting on the side of the pool. Some of the group members are swimming and stuff, but they're just sitting on the side of the pool with their toes in the water. So they're just getting started opening up, you know, I mean, they're just getting their, they're just touching their toes and they're unconscious. And then uh, later in the week or a week later, they're diving into the pool, you know, with the other people because they're more willing to look and and dive and be, and be uh, vulnerable. I had uh, this past week, I had a, I'll say they're pastors, you know, it could be missionary or pastor, but it's a religious occupation. But I have uh, lots of times we'll have a pastor come in and and uh, and one came in and, and had a dream that um, that his his pants were down. He he started preaching and he didn't notice but until he looked down and his pants were down, and he was just horribly ashamed and uh, uh, horrified and all that sort of thing. But then I've had other pastors for therapists who have a, a dream right and that this guy just got there, you know. So and he's the type that keeps everything private he's one of the least insightful people i've ever met is his mm-hmm. t- psychological testing even says so he has no clue what he's really like because he he had to grow up in a family where he had to put on a facade of what his parents wanted him to be or else he got the crap beat out of him and uh and so he learned to, to play a role and he doesn't know what the real him is you know and so that's why he had that kind of a, a, a pants missing dream but i've had uh, pastors come in many times where they're, they did a great job of, of getting in touch with feelings and, and all that sort of thing. And and, uh, and right before they go home, they'll have a dream that they're preaching naked. Um, and, and they're embarrassed to tell me, you know, Dr. Mara, I hate to say this, but I mean, you know, I, you know, I'm a pastor and I love God and I wouldn't do this, but I had a dream I was preaching naked. And, and I tell them that's a wonderful dream. <laughs> and they say, well, why? I said, because you've learned enough about, about sharing here in, in uh, three weeks of group therapy that that uh, part of you wants to go and just be yourself in front of the congregation and let them see the real you you want you don't have to hide behind a facade anymore you want it's not, it has nothing to do with sex or nudity or anything like that but you want them you want them to see the real you and you're you're when you go back I'm sure in your in your sermons before you came you would never say I'm feeling depressed or things like that but when you go back I think you'll be able to share about uh, some of the things that you went through a depression and here's what you learned and stuff like that. And, and, and at any one time, I tell them at any one time, 25% of the people sitting in a church are depressed, are going through depression themselves. And, but they, they're afraid to tell anybody because people think they're not spiritual or something. 
But if, if a pastor gets up there and shares, you know, how, how you overcame depression and what lessons you learned and things like that, then they come out of the shell uh, and the pastor gets swamped with counseling you know, situations because everybody that's been pretending will come and tell you, oh, well, if, if he can admit it, then I'll admit it too. And I'm, boy, I've been depressed for blah, 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 you know, a long time. So nudity dreams can be good. They're not necessarily bad. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Um, how how do you deal with a patient where, yes, they continue to have the, um, a recurring dream and it's, uh, and it, it's something that they obviously they can't get past and they know that they, they have an issue with getting past it. And they literally, it's such a nightmare that it's waking them up in a cold sweat. It's keeping them from being able to sleep because we're going to segue into why getting sleep is so important. But there are people that is it is that I've heard that if you do some kind of desensitization with them, that that will help them kind of move through the dream or EMDR or things like that. Um, what have you seen, Paul, with patients and you, Melanie, in terms of someone that just it's really this is this is making it to where they can't sleep because of their nightmares? I, one, one thing I do is I tell them there's no such thing as a bad dream. Every dream is a good dream. Mm -hmm. And if you have a recurring nightmare, that's wonderful. Write it down and, and don't be afraid of it. It's God giving you insights, you know. And so if you have a bad dream, write it down and share it with your therapist and and uh, and, and look at some things that are happening in the dream. And are you more than one person in the dream? Are you doing some of the hurting against yourself, you know, uh, and analyze it? And, and then, like I said before, I even tell them to try to have the dream on purpose. And they say, oh, no, I'm scared of it. But if you try to have one on purpose, you're not as not nearly as scared of it. You know, paradoxical intention, you know, if, uh, if somebody washes their hands 30 times a day and they're trying to overcome it. I tell them for the coming week, wash it, wash them 40 times a day, you know, count them and wash them 40 times a day. No, I don't want to do that. Yeah. You got to wash them 40 times a day. And when they try to wash them 40 times a day, they, they end up not washing them at all, you know, cause the, uh, with the uh, dreams, uh, uh, try to have the dream and try to do something to help yourself in it. But in the meantime, the, the, the therapist and the dreamer the client can, uh, can usually figure out in time, They'll figure out what it is that they're so afraid to look at. And remember, anxiety is the definition of anxiety is anxiety is the fear of finding out the, tr the truth, the fear mm -hmm. of finding out the truth about your own thoughts, feelings and motives. And so, of course, when you have a dream, how long do you remember it? You know, how fast do you forget your dream? You know, when I have a dream and I wake up, if I don't write it down right away, one minute later, I forgot what I dreamed for two minutes. Yeah. Because yeah. you, your unconscious doesn't want you to, you know, I mean, your brain doesn't want you to see what's in your unconscious because it's scary. But mm -hmm. and yet when we look at it and deal with it, we're healed. We get matured and we get, instead of 80% of your control being in the hand of your unconscious, maybe only 20% will be someday and, and you'll have 80% control over your life. God, I hope that happens. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I think I figured something out, I'm like, oh, that was just step A, 27. Got it. And <laughs> King David King David prayed that 3,000 years ago in Psalm 139. He prayed, he said, God, please show me my innermost thoughts. Reveal them to me so I can walk in a way that's revealing, uh, so I can walk in a way that's pleasing to you. So he prayed for God to show him his unconscious so that he could grow. And uh when we Did wrote he then the book go on dreams and have to go into a mental institution of that time, or <laughs> I don't know. But, but when when, when uh, Doctor Wise, Robert Wise, and I wrote that dream book, we looked up what the Bible said about dreams, and the Bible mentions dreams 150 times. 150 times. That's a lot. And and people used to the, in, in the early days. Uh, I mean, throughout history, in, in the Old Testament days and early New Testament days, for a, a few hundred years, dreams were a big thing, and 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 they'd, people would share them and talk about them in their uh, church services and different things. And then uh, the uh, the Catholic Church went through back then. I'm not criticizing Catholics, by the way, at all. You know, there's you know, <laughs> uh, one of our best psychiatrists is a real committed evangelical Catholic, and and uh, but 
but uh, back then, you know, around I think it was around 500 A.D. or something like that, the Catholic uh, Church went through a phase where they thought dreams were all, uh, to talk about them was sinful. And it went through a stage where they became unpopular to talk about. And, and so people, you know, felt like they were sinning somehow. But it's a, in, in, uh, in reality, it's a real important part of our faith is looking at dreams and God speaks to us in dreams. And he talked to Joseph in a dream and to Mary in a dream. And you know, all the way through the Bible, he, he spoke to people in dreams. Yeah. Kristen, I I actually had two clients that had were afraid to go to sleep because of dreams. And I did a couple of things. One of them was a believer. One of them wasn't. And one thing I've done when I have had bad dreams was it scared me so much. Um, I'll definitely read my Bible before I go to sleep, even if it's just kind of random Bible reading. I feel like God's word can kind of protect my mind as I sleep. Mm -hmm. And so that was just kind of a bombing, I guess, type of activity that I would do and suggested to my client that was actually a believer. And then the other one, I suggested some meditative stuff before they went to sleep. And then also actually journaling before you go to bed. I think a lot of times if you just journal, even if you journal your fears, sometimes that can stop the dream from happening because it's maybe something you're trying to work out in your subconscious. But yeah. You know, uh, different things can be tried, but I, a lot of times when there's fear involved with a client, even if it doesn't have to do with dreams, I really try to unravel the dream. So I'll we'll do some writing or we'll talk about, OK, let's unravel this fear and let's write down how rational this thought actually is. And a lot of times if you can get to the bottom of the fear and they can kind of understand that it's really not as bad as they think it is, then they feel like they have more power over the fear. So mm-hmm. those are some of the good things. I've done. Yeah. Good points. Good points. Well, let's talk about how pivotal sleep is. <laughs> I know that, yeah. you know, I mean, I know that for, especially if you've struggled with mental health issues Oh my gosh. I mean, sleep is so important. And I've, I know, and I think it was you, Paul, actually, um, like so many other things, I'll just say they all came from Paul, but we did a show where you were talking about, of course, the importance of sleep. And I think it was you, I was talking about feeling guilty about napping all weekend. And I think you said, well, your body needed the sleep you needed, needed to heal. And I immediately like, okay, I don't have to feel guilty anymore. And so now, thank goodness, like this weekend, I slept a lot. I slept a lot on both Saturday and Sunday. I'm not sick. Um, I've been exercising more, but I just, I just napped a lot and there was zero guilt about it, which was really nice. So I just thought, well, I guess I just needed some extra sleep. That's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I, I don't know why God uh, built us so that we have to spend a third of our lives unconscious. You know, I wish like crazy I'd never have to sleep. I, I love being awake. I, I have a hard time going to bed at night because it's so boring. You know, I, I'd rather stay up all night and and, uh, and my wife and I talk or play cards or uh, watch movies or, or, or play a video game or something, you know, but I just hate to sleep. But I know how important it is. And uh, uh, when you're sleeping, you're building up your brain chemicals, um, like serotonin. Yes. Serotonin is the, the chemical, uh, you know, that we've mentioned different chemicals in the brain. You know, serotonin is what gives you love, joy, peace, patience, and, and those types of things. But it also gives you a good night's sleep. And uh, when it's low, you get more depressed and anxious. And it's like having dog poop on your glasses. You know, everything looks <laughs> worse than it is. That and, sounds uh, pretty bad too, because that's right by your nose. But yeah, anyway. and, and and when and when your serotonin's low, uh, here's a sign uh, for those of you listening right now. Uh, when your serotonin's low, you'll wake up at three o'clock in the morning and you won't be able to get back to sleep. <gasps> Almost if that happens once in a while, it's okay. But if that happens two or three times a week, any any client or friend that that that's happening to, their uh, serotonin is low. And I saw a new patient today who has that all the time. He wakes up at at uh, three in the morning and it takes them an hour, two hours to get back to sleep. 
and uh, he wasn't real depressed. But when I when I took the history, I found out he drank one or two bottles of wine a night. And okay. alcohol depletes serotonin. So when your serotonin is low, you wake up at three in the morning. But but we so you build up your your chemical your happy chemicals while you're uh, sleeping, and God's giving you those dreams. And even if you don't wake up during a dream, I believe every dream can help us. Uh, heal and and that's why if I wake up with a nightmare, I think, oh good, I had a nightmare. I'm going to write it down. This might this probably be helpful, you know. <laughs> Who likes horror and, movies? Yes. Yeah, and and so some people need eight hours of sleep a night. Some people need five or six, and some mm-hmm. people need nine. So it's real important to do this. I I encourage everybody. I mean, you have to have an alarm clock so you don't miss your class if you're in college, or so you don't get to work late, you know, and things like that. So uh, have your alarm set to make sure you get to work on time. But try to get to bed and asleep early enough so that you wake up naturally before the alarm goes off. Yeah. Like today, I woke up about 30 seconds and sat on the side of the road and there was an alarm. You know, I woke up a little bit before it, but because I, I had stayed up as late as I possibly could and still do that, you know. But, <laughs> but uh, it's real important to get enough sleep um, because you're building up your brain chemicals while you're asleep. And, and here's an actual study that was done at Columbia University. They got. They uh, paid students to come into, a, you know, they'd go to school during the day, but at night they'd come and sleep in this hospital-like setting where they hooked up uh, EEGs to their heads while they were asleep, and, and they could tell when they were dreaming and things like that, rapid eye movement, like I said. And uh, and for a week or two weeks, I don't remember how long, but I think it might have been two weeks, whenever they started uh, to dream, they'd shake them enough so they couldn't dream. So they got eight hours of sleep a night, but they didn't get to dream. Mm. And, and by the end of two weeks, some of them became psychotic. Not surprised. And a number of them got depressed and they just, they all were worse off. So if you don't dream, I mean, you go crazy, you know, you need to dream and, uh, and, and you need to have a night, a good night's sleep. You need to have enough sleep so that you're not uh, depriving yourself of uh, all the healing that takes place while you're sleeping. So if you, if you, if you, if you on purpose, in fact, I, I used to get seminary students mad at me. I taught at Dallas seminary for 12 years and, and, uh, told the students, I said, if you wake up at five o'clock every morning to have your devotions, if you go to bed at midnight and study till midnight, and get up at five every morning to have devotions, you're, you're really getting God mad at you. <laughs> He'd rather have you sleep in and skip devotions that day and maybe have shorter one, you know, a 10 minute one later on in the afternoon or something. Because uh, they think that's really holy to get to wake up early and pray for an hour and read their Bible for an hour, right. but uh, but they're sinning against God because your body your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit and and uh, you're sinning against God by making yourself depressed and uh, so you can you know they they used to not like that when I told them that but then they get over it. So would that explain why teenagers, especially teenagers that have been through some kind of trauma? or series of traumas, you know, for whatever reason, would that explain why they need extra sleep? Yes. Mm. Yeah, because sleep heals. It helps Well, there heal. you go, Melanie. See? <laughs> she and yeah. I have been talking about this. I as slept boring as it is, so and as much, much as I hate I know. sleep. I know. You know, I hate it. it now, but boy, when I was there, was so much trauma going on around me all the time. I slept, all, I couldn't get enough sleep. I literally could, and now I realize yeah. I know why I slept. My body needed it. Yeah, you needed to build up those chemicals, and you were having more dreams and uh, healing yourself in the dreams. Uh, I mean, God was healing you in the dreams too. Um, I, oh, I, 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 had a, I confronted my father in a dream. My, um, you know, my, yeah. my biological father. I actually um, confronted him and did the whole thing that you said, Paul. I, I didn't know to do it, but I just figured it out. Well, why don't I? Since I keep having to wake myself up in a dream, I in my dream it would be him doing something really abusive, which he did yeah. do in real life. And I would close my eyes in the dream and say, "Open your eyes." And I would do that until I would actually wake up and be out of the dream. Yeah. And I got to the point where, because it was so awful to go to sleep every night, I would try and stay awake as late as possible because I didn't want to have this nightmare. And so I finally just started saying to myself, this time in the dream, you're going to tell him no, and you're going to get out of that car or you're going to whatever. And I would do those things you talked about where I would get away. 
Let me give you a dream. Let me give you, let me give you, Kristen, let me give you a dream. Since we're always picking on Melanie because she's a therapist. Let me give you a dream to interpret. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, okay, see if you can do it. Watch Okay, I, I, I had a, a pastor's, no, actually, she was a rabbi's wife. Uh, uh, this and this is when I was training counselors in Israel. But she was a rabbi's wife. But she had a dream. Uh, she had a recurring dream that her and her husband would be out for a walk, and wolves would come and bite her husband and 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 wound him, and 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 uh, it would just scare the daylights out of her. That and she kept having that dream. So what does the dream mean? Oh my God. Okay, so here's a lay person <laughs> with no education whatsoever. What, what do you think? Okay, so if she was, if she was her husband in the dream, um, it could be that either she was feeling protective of him, or she maybe she was. No, she, she was, wasn't her husband. She was herself. Okay, well and, then she, maybe she wasn't was, doing anything. She wasn't doing anything to fight the wolves, but but well, they I still still he, scared her. Possibly and she, and, he was and, abusive and she, to her. She, possibly he was abusive to her. Uh huh. And the wolves were attacking him, and she wasn't doing anything because she was like, "Get him!" <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, and she was the wolves. See, in the dream, when you dream about animals, but when you dream about animals, often, very often, you're one of the animals. Uh, and so, and so, uh, in in her conscious mind, she thought, "No, I love my husband. He's wonderful. He's got a few flaws, but he's wonderful." But unconsciously, she she really resented the fact that he was mean to her and. And so in the dream, the uh, the wolves could go attack him, and she could observe it and not feel so guilty because it wasn't her doing it; it was the wolves doing. It. But she was the wolves, uh, and wanting to get even with them. And and uh, our goal isn't for her to go bite them when she gets home, but to to <laughs> learn how to <laughs> learn how to stand up to them and and speak the truth in love and and not put up with uh, you know a bunch of baloney and. Well, if she does it, Melanie's going to come up there and bite his head off because he'll be yeah, that's so, right. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, here, oh. here's another one. Melanie, I'll give you this one, okay? Okay. <laughs> I, I, had a, I had a patient, a young lady. I forgot. I think, I think she was probably about 35 or 38, something like that. A young lady who had a recurrent dream that she was a little girl. She was about an eight-year-old girl, and somehow she was – she was frozen into an ice cube that, that was on a frozen lake. There was a frozen lake, and there was this big ice cube on top of the lake, and she was in the middle of it, uh, frozen uh, in an ice cube on top of the lake. Mm. I mean, that, that one's not easy. That's pretty hard. I know. I was going to say, I got the easy one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I mean, trapped. I immediately just think she's trapped. Yeah. So she felt trapped. Yes. Yes. And when? Um, on the lake. I mean, I mean, she still feels trapped now, but but what is the what 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 do you think it has to do with the fact that uh, it's when she's uh, eight years old? Oh, okay. I thought you were actually talking about an eight-year-old. I missed. I missed. No, the no, no, part. no. It was an adult woman that was about thirty-eight that had a recurring yeah. dream oh that gosh. she was an eight-year-old. She was an eight-year-old girl that was frozen in a in the ice cube. Yeah, obviously, in her childhood, she felt trapped. Wow. Yeah. That's and something intense. traumatic happened to her when she was eight yes, where, her, would, where she felt like her life was frozen. And again, yeah. if water is your unconscious, you know, there's yeah. a bunch of stuff that, that she's not aware of that. And, wow. and so as we did therapy more and dug up and probed, it turns out that, uh, that she had memories for the first time. She didn't know she had been sexually abused, but she had memories of being sexually abused by her grandpa when she was eight. And sometimes people have false memory syndrome. Just because you have a dream that a parent or somebody uh, sexually abused you doesn't mean it happened. But uh, we asked her, "Do you have sisters?" And she said, "Yeah." I was, she said, "So I said, call your sisters and see if if any of them got sexually abused." And and she called them, and a couple of them had been, and never told a soul. They were surprised that she was asking him that, and and uh, and and then then she started having actual memories and smells and. She saw herself on the stairway. I remember uh, when uh, she was home alone with Grandpa. And he was babysitting, and and he started abusing her right on the stairway. And but it was when she was eight years old, and her life got frozen. So as she became aware of it and talked about it, and and got angry, and you know beat the punching bag, and 
uh, and, but, you know, forgave him for her own sake and works through the stuff. Then, then the, she quit having the recurring dream and she got over her lifelong dysthymia. Hmm. Wow. That's, um, dreams that's can be really helpful. Yeah. 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 I need to, I, I, I need to start writing them down too. And that's so true because I, I heard someone say to me once, if you say it out loud, some parts of the dream, right as soon as you remember them that'll you know if you wake up and you're remembering them still a little bit um that'll help you remember them and that's true but the writing it down i think is bigger and what about this paul i know we're we're getting close to time but last question of the night um what about oh my god and this just went completely out joe's gonna have to edit this um <laughs> you forgot what it was totally you repressed it you repressed it I, I think we ought, we ought to leave oh, that. Oh, here, here. It is. here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Okay. Yes. Okay. Well, Joe, figure you can figure this out. Okay. Leave it in. Leave it in. Don't don't edit it out. Leave it in. I just lost it again. You when you're sharing something yeah. and you lose and you lose your train of thought, it's because uh, there's something uh, that you're getting ready to ask or share that's scary to look at. Okay. Okay. I just made myself remember it because it is scary when you have dreams where the emotion in the dream is so intense and you know yes dreams we think of a vision a movie in your head that you're seeing while you're having a dream but also with that the emotion of it i will sit back and i don't even care so much if i don't remember what i saw if my emotion in that dream is really really powerful i look at that and go what the heck was that about yeah yeah <laughs> And, and most people dream in black and white. Uh, they say, I don't remember any black and white dreams. Do you? But, <laughs> no, but, no, but, but the more the more intense the emotions, the more colorful, the more bright colors there are in the, in the dream, too. And in, in, uh, mm -hmm. something you said, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a little true confession here. You know, uh, we, we talked about, you know, you started to, to ask a question, then you forgot what it was. <laughs> yes. And uh and uh, that happens to us uh, quite a bit. And usually, if it's really good to try to analyze, to try to remember what it was that you that you forgot, and then analyze. Now, why did I forget it? And uh, I was in the middle of a lecture to seventy seminary students, future pastors, on a, a topic. And uh, and then in the middle of what I was teaching them, I, I just had a total blank. I had a total blank. And uh, and I had told them this before. Whenever you go blank, be sure to figure out what it was because it'll help show what's in your unconscious. You know, and so I taught them that like a day or two before. And so I had this blank, and I said, I have. I, I said I can't even remember what the topic of my lecture was right now. And I said, now remember what I told you a couple of days ago that when that happens, that means there's something in your unconscious that you're afraid to look at. So, what in the heck was I talking about? And a, a student raised his hand and said, sex. <laughs> and everybody broke out laughing. You know? well, uh oh, no wonder. You know? That's funny. The last yeah, that's two a true story. I had, even with the psychopath, okay, the killer, yeah. the serial killer, one was a really great dream where I was just very attracted to someone and they were very attracted to me. We were flirting. That's all that was going on in the dream. He just happened to look like this movie star that I find very attractive in my dream. And then the psychopath serial killer one, I was pretending to be attracted to someone and not. So I'm like, what is the theme here? Cause this is all about like attraction. And I keep having these dreams about, attraction and, and being overwhelmed by attraction or having to use it for safety. So I'm definitely bringing that up with my therapist. <laughs> yeah. 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 Cause our, our, you know, again, our view of uh, what attraction, what romance means and what, yes. what's a father, what's a mother, what's a man, what's a woman, what's a, uh, you know, you, you form your, a lot of your opinions about life in those first six years of life. And no matter how old we are, we can change. But but we uh, we form a lot of opinions uh, growing up. And and um, and I, I mentioned before that uh, that that movie star who I treated many 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 years ago, who was going through her sixth or seventh divorce, and she was an intelligent woman, and uh, and and popular and rich and all that. And and seven times in a row, she she married a guy that she thought was nice when she married him. 
but all all seven of them were either drug addicts or alcoholics. They all ran around on her openly and didn't even hide it, and they all beat her up when she complained about it. So, mm. you know, uh, I, I asked her, how in the world could somebody as smart as you are have that happen seven times in a row where you think they're a wonderful guy and all that? Mm. She said, well, all men are that way, aren't they? I said, well, no, I know a lot of good men that aren't that way. And, and she, and then she said, well, maybe I just had bad luck. I said, well, if you had one or maybe two, it, you know, in a row like that, that could be bad luck. But if you have seven in a row, it's not bad luck. So, uh, you know, I told her, I said, your dad beat up on your mom. And then he, and, and, and cause she had never told me about her childhood. She said, yeah, he did. And I said, and, and he ran around on your mom, right? Yeah. And then I, I asked her, well, how old were you when he sexually abused you? And she got so mad at me yeah. for saying that, that, that she uh, kicked me out of her, uh, you know, I was going to her hospital room to do the counseling. I was a consult uh, in her case. And she kicked me out and didn't want to see me uh, again as a therapist. And, but then a couple of days later, she asked if, if I would come back and, and she realized it was true that uh, because of the trauma that she had growing up, and she had never told a soul uh, that she was sexually abused. And, uh, but because of all the trauma she had growing up, she was attracted unconsciously. Her unconscious was picking the men, like we said. Yes. And, and she was attracted because she wanted to fix, one thing she wanted to do is fix her childhood. So if, if part of her thought, if I marry an abusive man like my dad and, and I can fix it and I can fix him, and make him a good person, then I'll be healing my childhood. Another part is because she really craved her father's affection because I think we all are born craving our mom's and our dad's affection. And, uh, and so by falling in love, quote unquote, then she uh, was attracted to men like her dad uh, so that she could feel loved by her dad. But, you know, it failed every time. And uh, I don't know if you remember Tina Turner. Uh, a singer way back then, you know, you're too young, but no, she had I a totally song. Remember her. Do you remember Absolutely. her? She, yeah, she yeah. had a song. She had a song that just came to my mind. What's love got yes. to do, got to do with it. What's yeah. love but a secondhand emotion, you know, and, uh, and, and lots of times what we think is love is just a secondhand emotion of, of what we felt growing up. You know, it's not mm-hmm. what's love got to do with it. Very little. And, uh, and so, she gained insight and never married a jerk again the rest of her life. And That's consequently, <laughs> she said that she hated that song. She didn't want to sing it. She didn't want to do it. It was after she and Ike Turner and all, you know, after they split yeah. and obviously he was abusive yeah. and so on. But he had been she, abusive to her. Yep. And she just did not want to do. And this is, our, this is her talking to Oprah. I think it's her okay, words. Yeah. These words came out of her mouth. She just didn't want anything to do with that song. And she had to look at that later and, and see, Oh, now I see why. But that song healed a lot. It of became people. huge. Yeah. And it was like a, her best selling yeah. song ever or kind of thing. So, you know, even the singer of the song was like, I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> So our dreams are windows into our soul. That's why I call it that book, Windows of the Soul. They're just like looking in a, if there's an underground house or something and, and, uh, and you want to see what it's like in there and you, you look through the, the window and it's a window into our soul. A dream is a window into the soul that we're so afraid to see and we see so little love. And that's the best way to see what's in your unconscious is uh, by writing down your dreams really quick when you have them because your brain really quick. Well, I think that's a good a good close for tonight, and I'm going to take a notebook into my bed with me. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you both for coming on and talking about interpreting dreams and the importance of sleep and recurring dreams and all the great things that we talked about there. And if you're a therapist, ask your clients about their dreams. Yeah. Ask them to write them down and share them with you. Because sometimes you'll feel stuck with a client and where you just don't know, you know, the next place to go. And, and they help you to figure out the next place to go. Mm, good point. Well, thank you both. Thank you. It was fun, guys. <laughs> and thanks to our listeners for another edition of Mental Health News Radio. 
passive aggressive but never without good intentions i heat up and act on my emotions thanks so much for listening to mental health news radio our podcast can be found on itunes stitcher and hundreds of other podcast apps or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all we promised, we'd be I'm on the radio! <laughs> yeah! I'm on the radio!